there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome in everybody to Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. It is me, Joey P, Joe P. Zafia, and today we're talking about value. Most specifically, the overvalued players that we see on the board, potentially in this early ranking season. It's only a matter of time before we get the draft season, so it's good to start identifying these overvalued players right now before we get too deep we can't get out. So Andrew Erickson, of course, Mr. Big Pot Energy is going to help us do that. And our good friend Alex Caruso is back again Two resident young people. You could follow Caruso over on the Twitter machine at Alex Caruso. He's the host of the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. So go check that out as well. And it's funny, gentlemen, because I'm looking at some of the takes and some of the players you have here as we are going to go headlong into this conversation and a lot of younger players. Caruso, I thought you were supposed to be like the young guy here, you know, championing of, you know, all of these young guys. Instead, you're taking shots at the kids. Yeah, I just can't. I hate kids. Uh, I guess that's the point here. <laughs> I hate the people my age. I am I am now just rooting for the boomers and, and anybody. That's there old. you go. Well, that's why you're such a big fan of mine, I'm sure. Andrew Erickson, um, you know, you're going to be married soon. So by the time you know you're going to have kids. But luckily, you've already got a lot of good dad jokes anyway. So uh, we we love having you on, you know, on to discuss these things. So uh, let's just jump headlong and let's start with the quarterbacks here. Uh, Erickson. Let's start first with the quarterback on your list. When you're looking at the rankings, and again, everyone can look at the rankings at fantasypros.com slash rankings and see for themselves. Who, in your opinion, do you think right now is a little overvalued on the board? I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that his ADP at quarterback eight and the ECR is at quarterback eight is just baking in the fact that he's going to take a massive leap forward. Now, he hasn't done that yet. Like He has yet to crest 20-plus fantasy points per game. Like that's a mark that I look at. Okay, this is an elite quarterback. And I think that he's really more in the tier that's below him, like the Kirk Cousins tier, like those types of quarterbacks. But he's being drafted ahead of those guys and being drafted higher up towards the top tier players, like the Justin Herberts of the world. And I just don't think that he's done enough and shown enough in just really one year of throwing out his rookie season where we can believe that Lawrence, who's not really a runner, He's not a rusher. I know that he did rush for five touchdowns last year, but 
Rushing touchdowns are fluky. And I mean, if you ask Derek Brown, take Bigsby's going to score 10 rushing touchdowns this year. So I don't know how Trevor Lawrence is going to return QB eight value ECR when he's not really rushing a lot. Yes, he has Calvin Ridley. I like that as a boost, but it's going to take an outlier touchdown season from Trevor Lawrence plus 30 touchdowns. And maybe he'll meet ADP versus guys that are going so much later than Trevor Lawrence. I can get Dak Prescott later. I can get Deshaun Watson later. I can get Geno Smith, who averaged more fantasy points per game than Trevor Lawrence did last year. And I get him as QB 16. Why would I draft Trevor Lawrence QB 8 when I get Geno Smith QB 16? Doesn't make sense to me. I think Trevor Lawrence is overvalued. I was hoping we'd go a whole show without mentioning Tank Bigsby, but you blew it right at the top. I mean, literally in the first player we're talking about. Now, Trevor Lawrence did have a really good uh, season last year. Alex, he did kind of propel himself forward. I understand from the rankings the point that Erickson's making, but do you see it the same way where, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you're not expecting anything to go better necessarily than last year than the 4,000 yards and 25 touchdowns that he threw for last season? Yeah, I, th- I think that t- Trevor Lawrence is going to get better, but I don't like where he's going right now in drafts the same way that Erickson doesn't. Like, of course, like I would love to take him where he's going, and I think it's actually a fair price, but I'm punting on quarterbacks in that range, especially when you can get guys like Geno Smith or Kirk Cousins or even an Aaron Rodgers that are going way lower. Those are all guys I would rather take at cost and draft another position skill player that I need instead. Yeah, I think that's the best point is who can outperform the ADP some of those guys are going to be right around there. Trevor Lawrence finished as QB8 last year. He's being drafted as QB8 this year. That's not really imaginative. And you're going to have to pass on some you know, quality wide receiver and running back depth in order to take Trevor Lawrence. Now, who's the quarterback that made your list that you think is a little overvalued right now, Alex? Yeah, the quarterback that made my list is, is Anthony Richardson. And I know that Anthony Richardson is the guy that's getting all the hype right now, but he's getting pushed up as far as QB10 on platforms like Underdog right now, ahead of those guys like Aaron Rodgers and Geno Smith. And rookie quarterbacks just historically over the last decade have not been very good in fantasy football. Over the last 10 years, there have been just four rookie QBs to finish as a top 12 fantasy QB, and only one had a top six QB finish in the last 10 years. And beyond that, even the quarterbacks that did play, there's only been 12 quarterbacks to have four games of 20 fantasy points or more. Like that's a really low bar to hit and to have only 12 quarterbacks to do it four or more times. I just can't get behind Anthony Richardson for year one, year two, year three. I think that he's going to be another Lamar Jackson type version. I'm going to be targeting but where he's going in drafts right now is just not worth it to me, especially with the history of rookie QBs. History of rookie QBs, a great point, but also the history of rushing QBs historically very good in fantasy so that's something i think we're all trying to figure out andrew i think some of the aggressiveness on the adp of richardson early is just people wanting to have the share of anthony richardson just to have that potential cheat code whatever the hell you want to call it and then you could always go in single quarterback leagues go draft a boring aaron Rodgers, or go draft a jared goff or somebody like that if you need to do you think that's really what this early high value of richardson's really all about I mean, I think QB 10 is ridiculous. Like, I think that's way too high, but <laughs> it's, you want to point out that the ECR has him as QB 18. So there's a stark difference between where you're shopping. Again, we talked about this in betting. You got to shop the best lines. Anthony Richardson, where's his ADP? If he's going inside the top hundred, bye. If he's going outside the top 150, hello. Like those are, that's how I want to get exposure to Anthony Richardson because yes, rookie quarterbacks can be inconsistent, but at the same time, we've never seen a rookie quarterback like Anthony Richardson. And Last year, or two years ago, I remember, we were ranking Cam Newton after he had been basically cut from the Patriots as a top 12 quarterback because he scored a bunch of rushing touchdowns in his first start with the Panthers after he was already released. Like, weird stuff happens with these rushing quarterbacks. So if Anthony Richardson is actually a late-round quarterback, you still want to draft him. But 
not when you're locking him in as a top 10 quarterback from day one. That's a bit aggressive for me. I don't know who this we is you're talking about with this Cam Newton ranking, but it's certainly not this guy. I can tell you that. Uh, let's talk about the running backs, gentlemen. I want to get your take on some early overvalued running backs because running back can be a really dicey situation. There's always guys off the waiver wire annually, and certainly there's always guys that surprise us. So sometimes it's these guys that get trapped in the you know first, I would say, two to three rounds maybe that can potentially put you out maybe even round four or two where you reach a little bit too much where you're trying to fill a draft spot on your roster instead of trying to just get the best player available Andrew when you're looking at the running backs who are two that stand out to you as being overvalued right now two second year running backs Ken Walker at RB 14 ECR 29th overall and then Damien Pierce who's coming in I believe at ECR running back 21 or 22 um, he's inside the top 50 so I'm looking at these two early down grinder running backs, and that's why I don't necessarily feel great about taking them where they're going. So Ken Walker was looked at before the draft. Okay, like this guy could be a top five running back. Okay, well, they drafted Zach Charbonnet and kind of nuked the situation because Zach Charbonnet does what Ken Walker doesn't. He picks up consistent yardage. He catches passes out of the backfield. So everything that Walker isn't, Charbonnet is. And that causes concerns for me to buy into Ken Walker as a top 15 running back when if the Seahawks are trailing in a game, like who's on the field, like who is getting the goal line touches. Now I, I believe Ken Walker is a talented running back. He's really explosive, but there are other explosive running backs I can draft later that I'm not as concerned about what their workload is going to necessarily be. So just question marks about Ken Walker and his role with Zach Charbonnet, who was a second round pick. Like there weren't many second round picks drafted at running back. We saw two guys go in the first round. So I think that draft capital is way different than when we talk about some of these other guys round three picks round four picks like those guys those draft capital doesn't dictate that those guys hit the field being drafted 52nd overall yeah i'm gonna hold weight to that that charbonnet is gonna see the field sooner rather than later and with damian pierce look devin singletary you don't have to think that devin singletary is good but no one can make the argument to me that devin singletary is worse than rex burkhead dari angumawale mike boone like those are the guys, the jabronis that Damian Pierce was beating out for touches last year or not, not Mike Boone. Mike Boone is now on the team, but I digress. Like you don't have to think Singletary is this amazing running back, but he's so much better than what Damian Pierce faced last year. And Damian Pierce's biggest flaw, even at the college level was the guy could never take over backfield. He never had to face a legitimate competition in a backfield. Devin Singletary is the biggest threat he has ever seen in a backfield. And that's cause for concern. Devin Singletary is better in pass pro. I don't think Devin Singletary is great as a receiver, but the new team may think that. And Devin Singletary was able to hold off James Cook, a second round pick last year. Damian Pierce was a fourth round pick. So I don't think that you should just rush off Devin Singletary as an option for Damian Pierce, who, again, profiles a two down grinder. Like, what's the upside of a two down grinder on the Houston Texans offense? Am I going to look back and think, wow, I didn't drop Damian Pierce in the top 40? And like, he absolutely destroyed me. I just don't see that happening. So I don't want to make the bet that he's going to beat me. I, I think that I would take the under on Damian Pierce. So that's why he's my fade. Mm. Interesting takes. I, I have to say, I agree with you on the Charbonnet side of Ken Walker, because you're talking about a, a piece of that backfield. You can get much later on who might potentially be the guy that either overtakes or maybe starts over Ken Walker at some point sooner than we think. Uh, Walker also dealt with a couple injuries last year too. And we know that the, Injury list of the Seattle backfield has been a long laundry list for many years now. Uh, Alex, how do you feel about these two guys that Andrew added to his list? Because I know before we started the show, you said you 
had some problems with some of the names or some of these names problems for you that you don't think they're overvalued? Yeah, I think that these these guys are, are actually pretty right on. Uh, for me, like Ken Walker, first of all, like I think that the Seahawks, like for a team that like legitimately I think could contend for a Super Bowl this year, them drafting a running back in the second round says a lot. Like especially when you have someone as talented as Ken Walker, if you are spending draft capital when you're a contender on another second round running back, that says to me that they don't fully believe in Ken Walker. On Damian Pierce, I mean last year it was literally either he got a lot of touches or he wasn't going to score fantasy points. He averaged 17 PPR points per game when he had 20-plus touches, compared to only 8.7 fantasy points per game when he did not have 20-plus touches. I was also shocked in looking at this that Devin Singletary over his career has averaged over 14 touches per game. That includes his rookie season. So he's a guy that has gotten volume every single year of his career, by far the best competition. I'm actually on board with both of these Andrew Erickson takes here that these guys are not it for me. All right. So there you go, Andrew. You got a little positive reinforcement from Alex. Before we get to Alex's names too, just a reminder, if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, make sure you drop a comment below who you think they're overvalued because we love to hear all your comments and some of those players as well. We like the conversation here at Fantasy Pros. It's good. It's healthy. And when you do and you subscribe to Fantasy Pros and our YouTube channel and click the bell to let those ding, somebody is going to win this month a free premium upgrade to Fantasy Pros, which means you get the greatest tools in the history of the universe to take you through not only draft season, but through the NFL season too. So again, I encourage you, drop a comment below and subscribe to the channel. Alex, give me two of your running backs you think are overvalued right now. Yeah, the first running back for me is Travis Etienne, who's going right now as the running back 11 overall and the overall number 16 in ECR right now. And he was just the running back 23 in points per game last year, despite seeing 74% of the Jaguars carries. He finished inside the top 12 running backs in just four of his 17 games in the part where he was really supposed to excel was as a pass catcher and he just did not I was excited about Travis Etienne but he was 31st in target share he never exceeded three receptions per game he was also terrible on the goal line he converted just three of his 13 goal line carries which was second worst of 12 running backs with 12 or more goal line carries and Doug Peterson himself said they want more of a committee that's why they drafted Tank Bigsby in the third round. Again, similar to Ken Walker, if they're drafting running backs this early, it says to me that they are not totally sold on him. Another guy for me that I also just have to fade at this point is James Cook. I just don't really get the hype with James Cook. He's never seen 15 carries in a game in the NFL or college. He averaged just five carries per game in college, 5.9 as a rookie in the NFL. And he was supposed to be the Bills' third down back, their star pass catcher. But he averaged less than two targets per game. I know that's a rookie year and that's not completely fair, but he's going as the running back 30 and he had just four finishes of the running back 30 or better last year where Damian Harris had more in just 11 games. Damian Harris has also been top 10 in PFF rushing grade in two last three years. And the last thing I'll say is just that them signing both Damian Harris and Latavius Murray sounds like they want more like bruising type backs that are going to be in the middle mm -hmm. of the tackles on the goal line. And as less James Cook is getting the goal line work, I don't think that he's just going to all of a sudden turn into a hundred catch guy and be valuable in fantasy. And in New England, Harris was a goal line guy. Andrew, does that scare you too when you look at James Cook and that addition that they brought in uh, this year of Damian Harris to that backfield? Yeah, I have uh, trouble trying to get my mind around like what is an ideal outcome for James Cook like if I draft him you know as a RB3 like like what weeks am I going to feel like oh like I feel great starting him this week I, I imagine it's going to be okay when they're in negative game script you see more James Cook and not Damian Harris but if the Bills are blowing out a team it's, it's going to be Damian Harris like right or Latavius Murray or whatever like one of these bigger running backs is going to be touting the ball 
in between the tackles and scoring touchdowns. Damien Harris, two years ago, or 2021, scored 15 rushing touchdowns, many of which came against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills know what Damien Harris can do. So, I mean, Harris is cheaper than James Cook. And if I'm trying to attack this Bills offense, I want the guy that could score double-digit touchdowns. And I don't think that's going to be James Cook because Damien Harris has shown at the NFL level that he can be a goal line carrier and score touchdowns. So I feel like it's going to be the year 2037 and we're still talking about Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. I I think I I have this terrible, awful feeling that's going to end up being like that. What about um, the other of uh, Alex's RBs that he chose as well? Because, you know, Alex is, you know, basically, again, taking shots at Travis ATN. We've had a lot of conversations lately about ATN and they haven't been positive. So do you have a positive spin on ATN? Well, I just don't think that Tank Bigsby is as big a threat as everyone is making it out to be. Like he was, dra- if, if he was such a big threat, why didn't they draft him in the second round? They drafted a tight end instead in the second round. You know, being drafted in the third round is significantly different than being drafted in the second round. Tyrion Davis Price, he was a third round pick last year. How much did he play? Like he didn't None. play at all. So <laughs> I just find it really hard that I'm just going to throw everything out of the window with ETN where it's like, oh, you know, they're going to limit his touches. Well, you know, ETN is one of these running backs in a Tony Pollard-esque way, super efficient on his touches. So you talked about, oh, he wasn't generating a high target share. Oh, well, sorry, he was second in yards after the catch per reception, sixth in yards per catch. So maybe he's not generating as many targets because every time he catches the ball, he runs for 10, 15 yards downfield. And when you're looking at the goal line, okay, he's three for 13. That to me tells me he's primed for touchdown regression. Like he's going to score more touchdowns next year than he did this previous year because of the way that he was running at the goal line. We all saw the highlights. Travis GTN dropping a ball at the goal line. Like these things are, when I look at Travis GTN, I'm like the opportunity is there. The big picture is here. He's playing on the Jacksonville Jaguars offense, which we were all excited about. And we don't want the starting running back on the Jaguars offense that we all think can take a major step forward this year. Take Bigsby, 25 rushing, 25 rushing touchdowns in college. Travis Etienne, 70 rushing touchdowns at the college level. Clearly this guy can find the end zone. Well, he also played on a national championship. And he, uh, who was his quarterback, Joe? Who was his quarterback? It was a guy named Trevor Lawrence, who you said is overrated about two seconds ago. So I'm trying to, you know, parse this all out. Fantasy. Here. Fantasy. Not in real life. Not in real life. Okay. I just like the hair. I like the hair. Uh, well, of course, I do too. Super jealous of the hair. Uh, but these are good discussions. And again, this is the whole point is we like to have these discussions. We like to bring different points of view so that you can decide for yourselves. And a great place to continue those conversations, too, is our Discord, where we have amazing groups of people, an incredible community, whether you're looking for leagues or looking to talk fantasy or talk to us, which you can do there as well. Fantasypros.com slash chat. That's the place to go and join. And you can join for free and go check it out. Multiple sports. We've got betting on there. we got everything on there. And it is an enormous community and a great one, too. Some really great people there. Uh, go check it out. And, of course, if you go premium, fantasypros.com slash premium, you can upgrade and get in some of those channels and those AMAs and the stages, and you can go yell at Erickson and tell him why Tank Bigsby is awesome uh, all day long. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, let's get to the wide receivers here, Erickson. Let's start with you here. Give me uh, your two wide receivers that you think right now, when you're looking at the board early on, they have bust potential or they're overvalued. So get the pitchforks out. Somebody's got to be a villain on this show and uh, look at some of these high-ranked wide receivers. Uh, T. Higgins, for me, ECR wide receiver 12. And it's really based on the fact that when Jamar Chase is healthy, T. Higgins is not posting wide receiver one numbers. Like, just look at the facts. When T. Higgins has played alongside Jamar Chase over the past two seasons, he's averaged less than 12 fantasy points per game and half-point scoring. When Chase has missed games, that jumps up to 155 under 12 fantasy points per game and half point scoring is around the wide receiver. Last year, it was wide receiver 19. The year before, it was wide receiver 23. So if Jamar Chase is healthy on the field, T. Higgins is not putting up wide receiver 12 numbers. Like, it just does not, has not happened yet. So unless the ECR is just taking into consideration, well, you know, if Chase gets hurt again, okay, then Higgins has more upside. But how many guys can you make that argument for? You can make that argument for a lot of players especially the ones that kind of go in T Higgins range. So for me, it's not like I don't like T Higgins. I think that he has, he's a good player, but is he a back end fantasy wide receiver one locked and loaded with chase? No, the numbers say exactly that. So he's one of my guys that I think is just overvalued. And then the other player is Michael Pittman jr. I don't know how he's ranked inside or his ECR as a top 30 receiver. Um, he's wide receiver 28 in the ECR ranks. Look, there are bad things for quarterbacks in terms of wide receivers. It's you don't want rookie quarterbacks and you don't want mobile quarterbacks. Michael Pittman Jr. has both of those. <laughs> and, and in particular, Anthony Richardson is not someone that we view as a super polished, accurate passer. Like it's an issue. So Pittman, I do think that he's going to have some spike weeks because I think Richardson has a big arm and I think they're going to use Pittman more downfield than they did last year. I think the offensive line will play better and that's going to lend Pittman to spike weeks. But what wide receiver three doesn't have spike weeks that plays a lot? Like, and if anything, it's going to be less touchdowns because is Anthony Richardson going to throw for 25 touchdowns as a rookie? Maybe he'll rush for 10, but I don't see him throwing 25 touchdowns. So there's no touchdown upside with Michael Pittman. He's not getting as much volume in an offense that's going to take passing attempts out of the entire offense. And look, Alec Pierce is another guy that's a downfield threat. 
It would not surprise me at all if Alec Pierce puts up as just many spike weeks as Michael Pittman Jr., except Alec Pierce is like wide receiver 65 and is basically free, where Pittman is a top 60 guy. Like, that's just a really hefty price to pay for a player that I don't know how I feel great about starting any week of the year. So those are my two guys. I struggle with that whole group of wide receivers in Indianapolis. And I like Anthony Richardson as a player, and I'm excited about him. I'm not QB 10 overall excited about him. I think that's a little bit too much excitement. We should temper a little bit. But I'm with you. I, I find it really hard to invest in the Indianapolis wide receivers. I thought it was hard to invest in them last year, uh, potentially. And then the T. Higgins situation, you make a great point. And you and I, I think, kind of see eye to eye on this, Erickson, where we both think that Chase is going to have a very special season potentially like AP player of the year kind of special season. And if he does, then that is going to inevitably hurt T Higgins value a little bit. So Alex, this is tough because I think the Pittman one is easy to understand, but the Higgins one, you know, a guy who finished as a wide receiver one last year, even though he was still the two on his own team, he feels safe, but is that necessarily what you should be targeting? Would you be better off swinging for the fences with a Christian Watson or somebody like that, who could potentially be the stud on his own team, as opposed to the second banana on a very good offense? Yeah, I think that's where, where things get really tough. Well, first of all, I'll say Michael Pittman, I agree with. Like, I obviously don't like Anthony Richardson that much in fantasy this year. I don't think that that is going to help Michael Pittman's case whatsoever. But, like, I don't hate T. Higgins where he's going right now. I mean, like, he was a top – he was in the top 14 in points per game this past year. He was top 12 in points per game last year. I like, you know when we use numbers like 12, like, people might not think that's not exciting, but that was still a top 12 number in points per game last year. And also, like, so far in two years on the field together, Jamar Chase just points when they were sharing the field. Jamar Chase has 382 PPR points to 360 for T. Higgins through two years. Like, their, their numbers are actually close. Am I going to come out here and say that T. Higgins is almost as good as Jamar Chase? Absolutely not. I think Jamar Chase is a lock and loaded top five wide receiver in the entire NFL, and that could hurt T. Higgins. But I don't hate where he's going, but I'm also with you where – there are other guys that right around that range that I would be trying to target. But the problem is that the wide receivers I have are going in the same range as T Higgins. And I absolutely hate them in fantasy. So that's why I like where T Higgins is going. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky group. I mean, DK Metcalf, Chris Olave, uh, Amari Cooper. So you got some veterans too, after that, where you got well, Keenan why, Allen, DeAndre Hopkins. Why is so such a, a hard bet over T Higgins? Olave had one of the best rookie seasons ever. I'm taking Olave all day. Yeah. I would take Olave okay. over. I think that's three for three. I would take Olave over T Higgins. I I almost would venture to say I would take DK Metcalf as well. I, 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 uh, and I understand the argument against that, but I, I think there's a certain point where I'm hoping that maybe there is another gear or maybe we do get to a point where I mean Tyler Lockett starts to fall off a little bit and before you know JSN really you know steps up his game as a rookie, that maybe DK can have a bigger season though. But I it is, it is tough because T. Higgins does feel like that warm blanket, Eric. Well, I think, and Alex kind of laid this out here when he was talking about, you know, where Higgins finished last year, top 14 in points per game, a top 12 guy. He's at his ceiling right now. Like, how does he finish better than top, like, as the wide receiver 12, essentially, with Chase not getting hurt? Like, it doesn't really happen. Like, there's really no scenario mm -hmm. where unless he has, like, 15 touchdowns, which Chase is the touchdown guy. Like, I just find it really hard to believe so I, I'm looking for players in this range, like you mentioned, DK Metcalf. Metcalf tied Justin Jefferson for the most red zone targets last year at wide receiver. So Metcalf has room to grow from his eight ECR wide receiver 15 or wherever it is if he catches 15, 16 touchdowns, which I think is more in his range of outcomes versus a guy like T. Higgins, who is going to be second banana behind Jamar Chase, specifically in the red zone, and especially in half-point scoring, where you need touchdowns even more at wide receiver. So I just think Higgins is being priced at his ceiling, and I want receivers that can take a leap 
that can make a jump. Mm-hmm. And I don't see Higgins as that guy. Yep, Alex, who are some of the wide receivers in your opinion right now you think are overvalued when you're looking at the board? Yeah, first, first one, I think who might be the most overvalued player in all fantasy football, regardless of position, is Debo Samuel, who's going as the current wide receiver 14 in ECR, which just makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, like what other player that's in the top 15 is playing on a team that has another top 20 wide receiver, a top three tight end, and a top three running back on the same team with a mid-tier QB. But even Debo Samuel last year had just three finishes inside the top 20 wide receivers last year. But my biggest problem with Debo Samuel is looking at historical outliers with like in terms of pass attempts. So the 49ers have finished 27th or worse in all three seasons that Debo Samuel has played eight or more games. And over the last 10 years, there have been just eight of the 120 wide receivers to be wide receiver ones came from teams that were outside the top 25 in pass attempts. So once again, we'd have to have a historical Debo season. He's one of those eight wide receivers, which is great. But still, eight out of 120 came on teams with that low pass volume. I am betting against that where Debo Samuel is going. The other player for me that's also doing something similar is DJ Moore. He's the wide receiver 18 right now in ECR. Last year, the Bears averaged just 15 catchable targets per game. Or someone pointed this out on Twitter that a 15% target share last year in Minnesota would have been better than a 30% target share in Chicago. And DJ Moore is probably going to do what he's done every year. He's been the wide receiver 23, 18, and 24 the last three years while averaging over eight targets per game. But even last year, everyone's saying, oh, well, the Bears are going to pass more. The Bears are going to pass more. Of course they are. But even if they pass 25% more than they did last year, they would still rank just 29th in pass attempts per game. And that's when you pull out that stat that only eight of the last 120 wide receiver ones have been on a team that low in pass attempts. So just with because of the pass attempts in the teams, I just cannot buy either of these guys right now. You know, I 100% agree with you on Debo. Um, Debo's 2021 was just a special season. He was running the football a ton because they needed that. Christian McCaffrey's there now. They don't need him to do that. Um, you look at the yards perception dropping off from 18 last uh, two years ago to 11 last season. That's significant. Now, then you enter in all the injury issues that he's had in his brief four-year career. That also, all that checks for me. Uh, with DJ Moore, that's a more interesting one to me, Alex, because I do agree they are going to pass more. You make a good case that even if they pass more, it doesn't make DJ Moore a wide receiver one. But I feel like there's enough negativity out there in the space that DJ Moore, I still feel like you're going to get a discount more often than not on when real drafts are happening. Andrew, do you believe that to be the case too, where the public perception of DJ Moore is he's fine, he's good, the Bears aren't going to be good enough in the passing game to make him valuable? And if he slides and becomes more of a wide receiver three in practicality, you know, when we're actually out there drafting in August and, and September, to me, that's where you want DJ Moore. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, if you can get DJ Moore outside the top 24 receivers, I think that's a slam dunk because DJ Moore always finishes as a wide receiver too, no, no matter what. Like, even if he has games where he totally disappears, Alex laid it out. But that's the problem with DJ Moore in terms of why I don't find myself drafting him because, again, I'm looking for these level jumpers. Like, is DJ Moore going to launch himself into the wide receiver one conversation? Like, no. And if, like, and if there's no argument for, for that, then it's like, what am, what am I doing? Like, Andrew, am I drafting a question floor for player? You too. Well, I think when you have certain guys, too, like name brand guy, like Mike Evans, right? Who's going after him right now, ranked after him early ADP. Not not saying the Tampa situation is good. I'm just thinking the opposite. Chris Godwin, another one of the same, same team. Where I think there's a there's a comfort level with the most casual fantasy football players out there. They recognize Mike Evans. He's a Hall of Fame talent. They recognize Godwin. 
DJ Moore. He's a guy that they always look at as underwhelming. And I feel like as we get closer, sometimes that name brand recognition, even a guy like Hollywood Brown kind of being the lone guy, there might be some weird hype for him, you know, even though that offense is going to be terrible. I just feel like you're going to end up getting to draft season. And I think DJ Moore is going to be cheaper than people realize potentially. I think for me, honestly, I'd rather just get any DJ Moore exposure. And if he has a great season, I want to get that through Justin Fields. Like I'd rather just draft him because he's cheaper than DJ Moore is in a vacuum just on drafts. And if DJ Moore has a good season, I benefit in some way because I have Justin Fields on my team. And Mm -hmm. it's really hard to see Justin Fields not taking a step forward as a passer and DJ Moore not being a huge part of it. You know, it's part of the reason why they made the trade in the first place. So again, this was something that we talked about last year with AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts where it's like, you don't have to draft A.J. Brown in round two, just draft Jalen Hurts in round six. And that worked out. I mean, you could have actually drafted both of the guys, but in that particular case, um, that's a way you can approach it. So you don't necessarily need to fully fade D.J. Moore, the player, because you like him, but you can fade his price as a wide receiver, 18, 19 uh, ECR. I'd like to start a lot of teams with uh, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown this year. Maybe a little Nick Chubb in between round two. Sounds good to me. I like that. Uh, Andrew, let's go with your tight end. Who's overvalued right now? Oh, it's George Kittle. It's not even close. Like I was looking through the tight ends versus my rankings and George Kittle stuck out like a sore thumb. Look, people. So bringing back the Debo conversation. Look, George Kittle without Debo Samuel last year was averaging like 20 points per game, which was basically Mm -hmm. double his normal average. He was averaging one and a half receiving touchdowns per game. And you're going to look at the splits with Brock Purdy on and off the field. You're like, oh my God, George Kittle was a monster. It's a yeah, because Brock Purdy was posting a higher touchdown throwing percentage than Patrick freaking Mahomes. So George Kittle is like the king of touchdown regression in the negative way. Like there is no way he's going to necessarily score double digit touchdowns again, especially when you talk about, we have concerns about Debo and McCaffrey and Ayuk because when all these guys are healthy, it's really hard to trust in any one of them to deliver. It's really depends on once one guy gets hurt, then you see all the other guys production spike up. So George Kittle for me, especially because even when Brock Purdy was healthy, Debo Samuel was number one in target share. Ayuk was number two. George Kittle was tied with McCaffrey for third in target share with Brock mm-hmm. Purdy under center. So even though it was Kittle catching all the touchdowns, I'm going to fade Brock Purdy repeating his unsustainable touchdown rate coming off major elbow surgery. Like, if I that's mean, even Brock crazy. Purdy. Call me crazy, Joe. Well, we don't even know but if it's going to be Purdy. Fade that. You don't exactly. know if it's going to be Lance. God forbid I say it could be Sam Darnold. I don't know, but it's interesting because we always killed Kittle because he doesn't score touchdowns. And last year he scores 11 and he finishes tight end four last year and the year before when he only scored six touchdowns, he finished his tight end three. So go figure everybody. We'll go figure that out. Uh, uh, look, I know tight end is, you know, kind of thin here, so we really can't say too many guys are overrated, but Alex, do you have one that stands out to you that you think is overrated? Yeah. The guy for me, this, this like really, really, really pains me to say is that because I'm a massive fan of him, but it's Kyle Pitts. I mean, he was first in targets per route run for players that were over an, a 10 yard average depth of target. He had a 30% target share last year. He was top five in yards per route run among all outside wide receivers. But the problem I have like is going back to the past times thing we've just been talking about that, like the Falcons, everyone's like, Oh, well they pass more Desmond Ritter. They pass so much more Desmond Ritter. You're right. But they still averaged just 28.7 attempts per game, which was 28th in the NFL. It's a bottom five number. And the Falcons as a whole last year averaged 17 catchable targets per game. 17 per game. How do you split that between Drake London and Kyle Pitts alone, let alone when they have all these other players they are going to see targets like your Bijan Robinsons or even Mac Hollins on this team as well. And right now where Kyle Pitts is going in drafts right now, he's going 
one spot behind someone like Calvin Ridley. He's going like four or five spots ahead of your James Connors and your Mike Williams, the world. Like it just doesn't make sense for me. I think that Kyle Pitts is going to go down as like a really awesome tight end in a couple of years from now, but until they get a new quarterback or a new coach where they're truly going to start throwing the ball at a top half level as a team, I just don't see them being able to produce on such little volume per game. And like, again, all the peripherals look great. All the hidden stats look awesome with Kyle Pitts, but I just don't see the volume being there at the end of the day. And I can't justify his tight end five price. And we did a huge deep dive yesterday into tight end. If you missed that show, go check it out again. It's wherever you get your pods. And obviously on the YouTube channel too, uh, Fitz, Eric's and myself broke down the entire ranks and tiers of the tight end position. So a really good breakdown there. Of course, it's on our YouTube channel where you can see all the tiers and it helps. Sometimes people are visual learners. I know I am. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. And also don't forget to drop a comment below. Who do you think is overvalued at every position? I want to know. Drop your comments below in the chat because if you do, you just might win a one-year free premium upgrade to Fantasy Pros. You can unlock the greatest tools in the history of fantasy. Or you could just go to fantasypros.com slash premium and unlock them and not wait to get chosen. But if you want to get chosen, that's fun. Try that too. And also try out our Discord where the conversation never ends too. Fantasypros.com slash chat. Go follow our good friend Alex Caruso on the Twitter machine as well at Alex Caruso. And check out the Fresh Fantasy Podcast where you get all his takes and everything else. And uh, obviously, you know, between the two of you, all the great hair today on the show. And, uh, you know, it's like Trevor Lawrence, Caruso, Erickson, and then I'm like so far down the trough. Joe, but, uh, Joe don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. But I don't. Uh, I don't Robert Sala look, and I think it's a good one. I'm trying to get. I do like him too. Uh, <laughs> that that is a good look. Uh, yeah. But but before we before we let Caruso go, I just had a quick final thought on Kyle Pitts. I didn't get to talk about this on the last show that we did. All right, get it um, in quick. I was trying to wrap my, wrap my mind around Pitts a little bit here with where he's going. And Caruso, you mentioned like Calvin Ridley goes ahead of him. So in the general range, and I agree, I would take Ridley over Kyle Pitts, but in the general range of where Kyle Pitts goes, like I was looking at some of the names and at least to me, I, I wasn't like over the moon about really any of the other players. So guys like Lockett, Pacheco, Swift, Goddard, Montgomery, Pittman, Mike Williams, Christian Kirk, Ayuk, Mike Evans, Damian Pierce, Trevor Lawrence, Jordan Addison, Marquise Brown, Kadarius Tony, like I mean, are any of those guys like, oh, I have to draft this guy over Pitts? Because when I look at the upside case, it's like, why not draft Pitts over those types of players versus, you know, taking one of these wide receivers? I mean, he's a wide receiver three cost. And mm -hmm. the payoff is you get an elite tight end. So, I, I mean, is there a player in that range that you are so convinced is better than Pitts? And that's the reason you're not taking him in his range? Because I think his, his price is, it's suppressed from last year and his situation is not really that different. Yeah, I would I would personally take Antonio Gibson even over Kyle Pitts where he's going right now. I know he's going way, 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 but you don't need to take Antonio Gibson in round six. To, but right where he's going in that range, like I, I you're right that there's no one that really jumps out. I just think that like there's there's no like I don't think you can find a team in recent memory that's improved their pass volume as much as they would need to for Kyle Pitts to be relevant where he's going right now in drafts. All right. But there's uh, no one that you would rather take over him though. There's definitely okay. I would I would take, I listed off a bunch of names, Alex, and you didn't say any of them. Take, so I would take Isaiah Pacheco over him. I would take Marquise Brown over him. I would take Kadarius Tony over him. I could see Tyler Lockett would, in that range over Tyler him. Tyler Lockett. Too. Is that, not like, everything he, is gonna be the sexy pick. Sometimes right, it's gonna but, but be just, like that. Just just to point out, like Alex, you were right point, off the bat. There's not a lot of names. Again, we could do this all day, but uh yeah, go go check out the tight end conversation for more on the tight end stuff uh and uh it's a good point god you know it just feels like we're getting started here i can't wait for 
July and August. It's going to be fantastic. Alex, thanks for hanging out with us today. Fantastic stuff as always. That'll do it for us, but the story of the game goes on for Andrew Erickson, who's super salty today, and Alex Caruso. I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories.